Today we are continuing our series called The Remnant. And I, last week we were talking about get remnant ready. I was just thinking, man, you know, we, we need like a t-shirt, we need bumper stickers, we need something like get remnant ready. I said that last week and guess what? Look at this. Look what somebody did. They actually made, they made me a shirt. Is that not awesome? Thank you, uh, Kayla and our production team for, for doing that. That's, that's amazing. Get Remnant, get Remnant Ready. T-shirts, website, everything coming soon. Um, maybe even a movie. I don't know. This series I am so pumped up about because it is not a series we were planning to do. If you missed last week, go back and listen. I was so fired up last week. I, I, I was, it was just crazy. Because this is, I had a different series planned, but I believe that God has left a remnant. Like you are part of the remnant. Come on, in your gathering, turn to somebody and tell them you are the remnant. God always looks for a remnant after any kind of, we see this throughout scripture, when there was a tragedy or a struggle or difficulty, there is God always saved a remnant. That, That remnant though has a responsibility. And that responsibility is to rebuild and restore. And I am absolutely convinced that you, as part of Core Church, you are still here and you are still a part because God has set you apart because He wants to use you in rebuilding the church and rebuilding it in His image. God is doing something new. Talked about that last week, so I'm not going to re preach that. But today, I think today is kind of a, a two-part message. If you have a Bible, let's go to uh, the book of Ezra, the book of Ezra. I want to talk about remnant restoration. And this was supposed to be one mes- message, but it just kind of blew up, and now it's going to be like a two-parter. So I'm only, I've only got two verses to preach, and I can't even hardly get to the two verses. So we'll see how it goes in the time we have this morning. So if you're not familiar with the scriptures, and you're like, Ezra, this is an Old Testament uh, scripture way before Jesus. And Ezra, so here's what's happened. The, the nation of Israel uh, has fallen into uh, captivity. They have been overtaken by Babylon, and they have been put into exile and enslaved to the Babylonians, many of them taken away to Babylon where they have remained as slaves. But God, in his mercy, always saves a remnant. And God raises up this prophet. His name is Ezra, and he leads a small group of them, a a, a group, the remnant, he leads them back to Jerusalem. And in the story of Ezra and Nehemiah, we see this amazing miracle because when the Babylonians and other uh, nations that come in and conquered Israel, they destroyed the temple, they tore down the walls, it was a mess. But God led Israel in this remnant home to rebuild and restore the temple and to rebuild the walls. And I believe that's what God is set us apart for. That's why you are here, because God wants you to be part of the remnant restoration. So Ezra chapter 9, and this is kind of in the middle of the story, and it's Ezra who's talking here, and we're going to go to verse 8. And Ezra says this, but now we have been given a brief moment of grace, for the Lord our God has allowed a few of us to survive as a remnant. You are a survivor. Turn to somebody and tell them you are a survivor, okay? You are part of the the remnant. He says, our God has brightened our eyes and granted us some relief from our slavery. For we were slaves, but in his unfailing love, our God did not abandon us in our slavery. 
Instead, he, he caused the kings of Persia to treat us favorably. He, he revived us, and we'll talk about that next week. He revived us so we could rebuild the temple of our God and repair its ruins. He has given us a protective wall in Judah and Jerusalem. Let's pray. Father, in the moments we have together, we are so thankful. We pray uh, that you'll help us to, to just set aside distractions and there's some things you want to speak to every person that's watching right now. God has a word for you right now. So just ask him, okay, God, I, there's a lot of distractions around me. But when you need me to hear something, help me to hear it. In Jesus' name, and everybody in their neighborhood gathering said, amen. So in Ezra chapter 9, verse 8, it says this. We have been given a, say this with me in your gathering, a brief moment of grace. I think every parent, if you're a parent, you understand the need for a brief moment of grace. Like, if you are not yet a parent, or maybe you're a new parent, you might want to lock in on just this moment. This right here is just worth the price of admission because, I mean, parenting is not for the uh, faint at heart, is it? I mean, you bring that baby home from the hospital and you're like, you're so cute, you're so special, I'm gonna change your little poopy diaper, and oh, it's so cute, and then, and then they become a toddler. And <laughs> you're like, what happened to my child? Were they kidnapped in the middle of the night? Who is this person? I do not know them. So Laura and I, we, we have four kids, and, and, and we have four because, you know, we... We messed up on the first one, and so we thought, well, maybe we can get it right on the second one, and that just goes so great. So maybe the third, and you know, you just you just keep going, hoping to get it right. Don't don't do that because you just, it's just more opportunities to get it wrong. And so here's what we thought: we thought we'd spread our parenting out, okay? Because we were like, man, I don't want them all together. Let's spread them out. And but what we weren't thinking, pay attention here, if you're a new parent, what we weren't thinking is we would be parenting toddlers and teenagers. For three decades. Is that not crazy? Like over 30 years of toddlers and teenagers in our home. I mean, I'm talking about like we would I we just get done with one child and, and another one would be coming up behind and I just turn around and I'd be like, So what is your name? My name is Sky. And I'm like, well, nice to meet you, Sky. I mean, it was just that was just decade after decade after decade. Now, now there are some parents. They're the crazy ones. They just lump them all together. They're like, I'm just going to get it all over with at one time. <laughs> and let me just tell you that if you, you're thinking about doing that, just remember, every child equals an extra shot of espresso. So that's why you see them like, uh, 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 they're walking around like this all, all the time. <laughs> Listen, no matter what you face, no matter what you're up against in life, God always provides enough grace for the moment you are in. Think about it. If God had shown you everything that was going to be coming in 2020, you'd have been like, there's no way I'm going to make it. You'd just be freaking out. Like, imagine last January, God stopped you and said, okay, uh, so there's the pandemic coming, and it's going to be crazy. Uh, there's going to be masks everywhere. You're not going to recognize anybody for like six months. You're going to be locked down in your house. You're going to run out of toilet paper. And then, oh, oh and there's going to be some racial unrest. There's going to be some riots all over the place. And oh, yeah. Wait till November. It's going to get crazy in November. And then, oh, oh, wait, wait. When we roll the calendar over to 2021, it's going to sprinkle in a little winter storm for you. You would have been like, there's no way I'm going to make it. But you made it. Oh, you, you made it. Come on, turn to somebody and tell them you made it. And not only did you 
you make it, but you're making it and you're, you're going to make it because of God's grace. And in this story, what we see is that God showed grace to the remnant of Israel, enslaved, no hope of release. But God poured out his grace. Back in verse eight, look what it says. This is Ezra. He says, the Lord our God has allowed a few of us to survive as a remnant. God was writing a story into the pages of scripture, a story of restoration, a story that would be told, a story that would be for you and I. And like the remnant of Israel, God is writing a story in your life, a story that will be told, a story that somebody needs to hear. Write, write this down. I have a story to tell and someone needs my story. I have a story to tell, and someone needs my story. At Core Church, we talk all the time about reaching people with the hope, healing, peace, and purpose of Jesus. And the way we do that is three simple things. Intercede, invest, inform. And the first two are, are just, they're no-brainers. They're easy. Intercede. Just start praying for people that don't know Jesus. Invest. Just do good. Be kind. Serve somebody. But it's the inform that trips us up. It's the inform part that, that makes our heart beat a little bit faster where we feel completely intimidated because that, that's the part where you share your story, where you open your mouth and share your story about what God has done in your life and you share that story with someone. So what I wanna do for a few minutes here is I just wanna give you just some simple things that you can do that will help you to tell your story. And I think it's in this remnant story that we learn how to tell our story. Let's, let's go back to verse eight. Verse 8, it says, he has given us, say this word with me, security. He has given us security in this holy place. Write this down. Share the loss. Share the story of loss. Share the story of loss. If, if anything has been taken from us this past year, it's, it's our sense of security. Some of you suffered job loss. Some of you suffered financial loss. Some of you have suffered the loss of somebody you dearly love. That we have all suffered loss. And what we know is that as the remnant, we aren't exempt from pain. We're not exempt from, from tragedy. We're not exempt from struggle. But I can tell you what we, what, we're, what we do is we're really good at hiding our scars. Like we don't want anybody to know that we might have problems because, you know, I'm a Christian. I'm not supposed to have problems. I mean, I'm, I'm supposed to be perfect and nothing bad is supposed to ever happen to me, so we, we hide our scars. Many of you know Sean Spears. He works in our, our production team. And Sean, a couple years ago, just had uh, just a horrific accident um, where he suffered a severe break in his leg, um, nerve damage where he couldn't even walk right, uh, didn't know if he was going to walk right ever again. And you saw him from a wheelchair to a walker to a cane, and he's gone through extensive rehabilitation and surgeries and trying to repair and awaken that, that nerve in his leg. And we, as a church, have been praying for that healing in his body. He was, he was at my house a couple weeks ago, and he's, he just recently went through another surgery, and he's got this scar down his leg right here where they went in and did some work on it. And Laura saw that, and she goes, oh, you need to put some vitamin E on that. If you put some vitamin E on that, it'll, just, it'll cause that scar just to heal up, and you won't even see it anymore. <laughs> and Sean just looks at her like, 
what? Like, why would I do that? Like, I was just laughing. I was like, honey, every guy wants their scar to show. We, we, like, we like scars. And, and Sean, man, he's letting his scar show because God is writing his story. Come on, you gotta let your scar show. Turn to somebody and tell them, show me your scar. Show me, wait, wait now maybe that's a bad, that might, that, might be, that might be a bad idea. Let's keep this PG, people, okay? So don't know where that's going. But just know, listen, you have a story to tell and someone needs your story. So share your story of loss. Go back to verse eight. Ezra says this, our God has, say it with me, brightened our eyes. He's brightened our eyes. Write this down. Share the story of light. Share the story of light. This world is a very dark place, and the enemy wants to keep it that way. And in the Gospel of John, we, we read these words, John 1, 5. It says this, the light shines in the darkness. And say this part with me, the darkness can never extinguish it. Come on, you're, you're the remnant. I mean, just grit into that. And let's say that last part again. The, the darkness can never extinguish it. Listen, if you came over to our house, what you would see is we have a lot of lamps. A lot of lamps. Laura loves lamps. I'm telling you, like, like that should be a Hallmark movie. It's like, you know, a Hallmark original. Laura loves lamps, you know. Or maybe it's a Lifetime original. Laura loves lamps. <laughs> I think of it more like a Lifetime. She would think of it like a Hallmark. Uh, but if you, I, I'm not exaggerating. I counted them. At least a minimum of three lamps in every room. And they're on 24-7. Like at night, our home is glowing. I get a personal thank you note from PSO every year. Dear Mr. and Mr. Farnsworth, we thank you. You're, you're wonderful. You're powerful. We appreciate all that you're doing to keep PSO alive. We love you. I mean, it's just, I mean, it's just crazy. Like we have a, a lot of light. Listen, you have the light. That is who we are. We are the light. And the, the remnant are lamps, and we are spread out all over the city. I mean, right now, we're spread out all over the city, all over the state, even all over the world. And listen, as the remnant, listen, we don't, we don't step back from the darkness. We don't shield ourselves from the darkness. We step into the darkness because we know that there are people that need the light of Christ and in your workplace and on your campus and in your apartment building and in your dorm room. You are light in someone's dark world. You have a story to tell and someone needs your story. Share the story of light. All right, I gotta got, got keep moving here. Verse eight, otherwise it's gonna be three parts. I got, I got it to two, it might be three. I gotta keep moving. Okay, verse eight, go back. Here's Ezra, our God granted us some what? Say this with me, relief from our slavery. Write this down, share the story of liberty. Share the story of liberty. It is well documented how much I despise and hate raking leaves. I just will, I don't like raking leaves. And, and to be honest with you, if you've not known this, is that I get frustrated every year because I'm raking leaves that are not mine. I have no trees in my front yard. 
but all of my neighbors have big trees and all of their leaves come, come into my yard and I end up raking up all of the leaves. And, uh, and by the way, some of you maybe have heard this story before, but I developed a technique several years ago and if you have young children, I got, I got a solution for you. When, <laughs> this, is, this is terrible and a pastor should not admit this, but I did this. I, uh, when, when Herc, uh, one of my boys, he was, uh, I call him Herc, that's not his given name, but when Herc was eight, um, and Logan in our production team can verify this because he was at this birthday party. He, his birthday's in November, and so I decided uh, we, we had a birthday party, and it, and it was a pirate party. And some of you, you remember this? Uh, it's, take notes. I'm telling you, parents, take notes on this. Even if somebody, even if your child has a birthday in April, move it to November and have a pirate party. You'll know why here in just a second. Because <laughs> when, what I did is I had them all come outside, and I gave them all a hefty bag. And I said, all right. Out here is hidden treasure. The bounty is out here. And these, my boys, are your treasure bags. Go and plunder and get the treasure. And they came back. My entire lawn was cleaned in less than three minutes. I'm telling you, you might want to write that down. So as I told you, i got four kids, but they're all gone. So this year, it's all on me. And so I counted every bag. This year, 40 bags of leaves that are not mine, okay? And I mulch them so they're not light. They're very heavy. And I'm carrying 40 bags of leaves to the curb. And I am, don't want to admit this, but I got down to about 10 bags left. And I look over, and on the side of my shed, I had completely forgotten that I have a wheelbarrow. <laughs> and I realized I didn't need to be carrying these bags this whole time. If I had just taken the wheelbarrow, I could have loaded up more bags. I could have made my load a whole lot easier and a whole lot faster if I just used the wheelbarrow. In this world, in your workplace, in your apartment community, your neighbors right now are carrying a heavy load, a heavy weight and they don't know what to do with it. They're carrying it, and they think that they've got to carry this weight the rest of their lives. And it is weighing them down, the weight of depression, the, the heavy weight of, of loneliness, the heavy weight of addiction, of betrayal, of brokenness, of fear. They're carrying this heavy weight, but not the remnant. We don't carry the heavy weight because we know where to go for relief. The Apostle Peter, he wrote this in one of his letters, 1 Peter 5, 7. He said, give all your worries and cares to say this with me. To who? To God. Give them to God for he cares about you. See, people are watching you. Oh, they see that you're part of, they, they see that you go through struggles. They see that you are not exempt from tragedy and pain. But what they see in you is they're like, wait a second, you're going through that, but somehow you are fighting through that and you are maintaining your peace. Somehow that is not destroying you. That should be knocking you down and you should not be getting up again. But for some reason, you're able to keep moving forward, that you are strong through this. This is part of your story, and you're going to be able to look at them and say, of course I'm able to make it because I'm not carrying it by myself. I'm giving it over to God. 
I'm giving it to God, and we are carrying this together. And God is bearing the brunt of the burden for me. This is your story. You have a story to tell, and someone needs your story. Share the story of liberty. All right, I got one more for you. We're going to wrap it right here. Verse 9. For we, are, we were slaves, but in his, say it with me, unfailing love, our God did not abandon us in our slavery. Write this down. Share the story of love. Share the story of love. 597 B.C. is not a date that any of us would really ever think about, but the nation of Israel does because it's in 597 B.C. that Ezra and all of those captives um, were suddenly overtaken by the Babylonians and taken off to captivity and exile to live in Babylon as slaves, to be oppressed, to be abused. And about 60 years later, in 539 B.C., God raised up a prophet. His name was Ezra. And Ezra, through God's mercy to the, rest, to the, uh, to the remnant, led a, a small group back to their home in Jerusalem. God wants to use you. You are an Ezra. And he wants to use you to lead those who are enslaved to sin and to shame and to pain and to brokenness. And he wants to use you to lead them home to Jesus. There's this narrative right now that somehow God's angry at the world and God hates the world, and God can't wait to pour out his wrath on the world, and sadly, that is perpetuated by quote-unquote Christians, and I use that term lightly. That is not true. I don't know what your impression of God is, but that is not true. No, no, God sent Jesus because he loved the world. Come on, everybody knows this, for God so loved the world, but the only way that narrative changes is if the remnant starts telling their story. You and I have got to raise up and start telling our story. And God is going to bring you across the path of somebody who needs your story. And I know when I say that, you're like, ah, I don't know what to say. I'm totally intimidated by this. I, do, don't I need to memorize some scriptures? I mean, don't I need to know some eschatology or some cosmetology or, or something in order to share my story? No. I'm going to give you three simple things, and, and, and then we're done. Three simple things. Write these down, Okay. Here's how you share your story. Number one, write this down. Tell them, this is where I was. This is where I was. Like, in my life, this is my pain. This is my story. This was my struggle. Okay? Then, then number two, write this down. This is what God did. This is where I was. This is what God did. Share with them how God intervened with his peace, with his mercy, with hope and healing and peace and purpose. And then number three, Just tell them, this is what he's done in my life. This is what he's done in my life. This is where I've been. This is is what God did. And this is what has happened in my life as a result of that. Just those three simple things. Here's what's happening in my life right now. Why? Because you've got to share your, you have a story. You have a story and somebody needs your story. We're going to move now into a time of communion and prayer. I want to give you a moment to get your sacraments together, but I also want to give you a moment, if you would, just wherever you are, however you can set aside the distractions, and just for a moment before we receive communion, I just want you to think 
and meditate upon what is God speaking to you today.